So we'll begin today in the next few Sundays leading up to Christmas. Share with you, of course, pastoring 24 years and preaching in the Easter season. Uh, you begin to realize you exhaust, uh, you exhaust your own uh, mental capacity to share the story over and over and over without it becoming common or, or uh, spoken by rote or memorized. Uh, I, I would pray that the Lord would let this come alive to us during this season. Somebody say amen. I would pray that who he is would come alive to us again and what he is would come alive to us. So today I've just entitled this, He's Everything. Everybody say that with me. He's everything. Say it again. He's everything. And as we come to this time of the year, uh, I want to focus this Sunday and, of course, next Sunday is our children's play. But then the following Sunday and Christmas Sunday, I want to focus on uh, a very important fact that I believe will help us and encourage us. I believe today there are people sitting here under the sound of my voice that may be hurting or confused. There may be others that are in victory and feel the peace of God today. But at whatever state you are in today, I think it's important during this time of year to recognize who Jesus is and why he came to this earth. Somebody say amen. Now I understand we would get real foolish and Paul says don't get into arguments about us, you know, don't, don't waste your time on arguments about endless genealogies and some of those things. And so we could get in a debate about whether Jesus was actually born on December the 25th. And of course we understand that uh, biblically that is not the case. So we recognize that. So uh, we could say, well, we should celebrate uh, Jesus coming on the actual day when he came. Well, I'm not sure we can pinpoint that, but I do... Uh, even even for sake of argument, I don't want to miss my opportunity during this time of the year because people are focusing on Christmas and Christ coming. I want to focus my attention as well today to preach the word of the Lord to you this morning. And uh, all people are focusing on the season and His birth and so I want to come today and preach about that issue, even though you say, well, it didn't happen during December. Well, it doesn't mean I shouldn't preach about it. It doesn't mean Christmas shouldn't be every day. Somebody say amen. So I, I think it's important that during this time of year, uh, as society is, most of society, or at least Christian folks, are thinking about Jesus' birth, that we... Uh, that we talk about it for just a little bit, and I want to do that. There's a story I want to begin with today about a man who worked very hard just to keep food on the table for his family. These kind of stories start usually with once upon a time. There was a man who was a hard worker, and he worked really hard to put food on the table and provide for his family. And on this particular year, a few days before Christmas, uh, he punished his little five-year-old daughter after he became aware that she had used up the family's only roll of expensive, to them, expensive gold-colored wrapping paper. And mom had shared her uh, discovery with dad, and she's used up all the paper that I was going to wrap a few of the gifts with, and Money was tight, and he became even more upset. 
when on Christmas Eve he saw that the child had used all of the expensive gold paper to decorate one shoebox that she had put under the Christmas tree. He also was concerned about where she had gotten the money to buy whatever was inside the shoebox. Nevertheless, the next morning, the little girl, filled with excitement on Christmas morning, brought the gold-wrapped box gift to her father and said, This is for you, Daddy. And as he opened the box, the father felt a little embarrassed about his earlier overreaction about getting on to his daughter for using all of the gold wrapping paper. He felt a little regret for punishing his daughter, but when he opened the shoebox... He found it completely empty. And again, he began to get upset. And he looked at his daughter and said, Young lady, don't you know that when you give somebody a present, you're supposed to put something inside the package? The little girl looked up at him and tears began to flow down her eyes. And she whispered, Daddy, it's not empty. I blew kisses into it until it was completely full. The dad was crushed, fell on his knees, put his arms around his little girl, and he began to beg her for forgiveness for being unnecessarily angry or upset. An accident took place and took the life of the child a short time later, and it's told that the father kept that little gold box by his bed through all the rest of the years of his life. When he was discouraged or faced a difficult problem, He would open that box and take out an imaginary kiss. And he would remember for the rest of his days, the day his child gave him a box full of kisses. Paul had a deep desire for us. A deep desire for us. Something that he says goes deeper than everything. He said, I wish that Christ would dwell in your hearts. I'd like that. Turn to your neighbor and say, I wish that Christ would dwell in your heart. Paul said, I got a wish for you. It's a Christmas wish. I wish that Christ would dwell in your hearts. And then he says, I wish you were rooted in love. And then he says, I wish that you would comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. He said, these are what I wish you would know. I come to this podium today and preach uh, primarily to people that have had a Pentecostal experience. That's why this church is here today. A doctrine is important, and I thank God for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. I heard an African-American religious leader on Fox News this week. They were interviewing him, and uh, he was talking about uh, uh, his particular culture needing revival. And he said, the culture that I come from, uh, the African-American culture, he made this statement. He said, we need a revival. He said, we haven't had a revival since 1906. I knew immediately what that man was talking about. He was talking about Azusa Street. What happened back there uh, has its fingers still reaching into the present. I thank God for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 
I thank God for what He has done in and through all of us. And you ought to give God praise for an experience that you have in Him. But I wonder at times if I'm not like that dad opening a gift that I fully do not realize the greatness of what that gift is to me. In fact, I would uh, venture to say that I think some of us uh, as, as, as much as we desire the baptism of the Spirit and you must be born again and I don't think I have to explain all of that you know I heard somebody say you don't, you don't have to explain it to your friends they don't need it you don't have to explain it to your enemies they won't believe it anyway <laughs> so I'm not without any further explanation I'm not preaching against being born again but I am saying that I think some of us have looked at the born again experience And we felt like we opened an empty box. We felt like, well, I thought this was going to satisfy all my problems. I thought this was going to take care of all my sleepless nights. I thought this was going to take care of all my worry and all my anxiety. And we feel like we, op- we, we came and we experienced something wonderful. It was like taking the gold wrapping. And oh, we, our expectation, we left with our feelings high and expectations high. But over time, we realized that if you're not careful, that experience loses its luster. But I've come to tell you today, we didn't open an empty box. There's something here for us now, even after the experience is in our history. I'm preaching to people that I don't know how many years ago it was. God baptized you with the Holy Ghost. But I've come to tell you, He's everything. It's not just the wrapping or the bow. Jesus is everything. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord today. Amen. Praise God. Oh, come on, let's worship Him. I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. In Ephesians, we find according to God's predestined plan and in God's predestined purpose. Now, I want you to hear me well because the next two Sundays you're going to hear a lot about this. According to God's plan, everybody say God's plan, that in the fullness of time, He is to sum up all things in Jesus Christ. In fact, when you read about the, 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 the uh, consummation of all things, you read about Jesus becoming all in all. He's going to be everything. There will be a time physically in this where all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. <laughs> he will be all in all at some point to everybody. Every knee shall bow. But I'd like to say to you today, those of you that have Christ, I want you to understand that He is not just going to be us. He is not going to be the summation of all things one day. Paul describes this in Ephesians 1, verse 7 through 12. In whom we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence 
having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself. And what did He pleasure to do? What was His will? That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, that He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, even in Him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Oh, thank God. He doesn't have to ask anybody about it. Come on, he doesn't have to ask the UN what he should do. He doesn't have to ask the Congress what he ought to do. God does what he wills after he counsels with his own will. Somebody ought to clap your hands under the Lord. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. So Paul says there's coming a time in the fullness of time. He will gather together in one. Everybody say in one. All things. Everybody say all things. Jesus is everything. I'm telling you, I'm not ducking and running anymore when people say to me, you're those Jesus-only people. I'm not ducking and running anymore. I believe emphatically that the Scripture says everything is in Jesus. No, you're not hearing me, but I'm going to preach on today. More happened in that little manger than just a little baby being born. Everything is in Jesus. Everything. Everything, my healing's in Jesus. My righteousness is in Jesus. My salvation is in Jesus. Oh, somebody ought to praise him. Oh, praise God. Oh, somebody ought to thank him right now. So in the fullness of time, everybody say in the fullness of time. That's in Ephesians. But in Colossians... We find that God not only causes Jesus to have first place in everything, but even more, say even more. Not only is there going to be a time when all gathers together in one, and that is in Christ. Paul says in Colossians 1 verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Paul wants you to know something. Because you need to know something, because the next verse says, if you know something, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might. Oh, praise God. That sounds like if we know what he's fixing to share, we're not going to be weak. We're not going to be victorious. We're not going to wonder where our victory is. (laughs) That we're going to walk in the power of his might if we know something. According to his glorious power. Now listen to this. You say, well, there's some Sundays I don't feel so glorious or so powerful. The Bible says my victory is according to his victory. That my power is according to his power. I don't have a reason to be discouraged today. Oh, I know things aren't going right. I don't have a reason to be depressed today. Oh, there's pain in my body, but that's not the point. Jesus is everything. Well, I feel an old song on my heart. You remember that? 
You remember that uh, that that song? And and why? Well, it's just it's gone as quick as it was there. I know it was there, Lord. I know you put it in there. It'll come. That you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, strengthened with all, all might according to his glorious power. Somebody say praise the Lord. To all his power is my power. My, my righteousness is not of me, it's of him. Somebody say Amen. Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father. You ought to be thankful today, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, oh praise God, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Everybody say the Son. He's now talking about the kingdom of the Son. Verse 14, In whom you have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created, and are in heaven, that are in heaven, and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. No, you didn't hear that. It says everything that is was created for Jesus. Every kingdom, every throne, every dominion, every power, every person was created for him and in him. Jesus is everything. Oh, I know. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. That's powerful. I want to tell you something. If it weren't for Jesus, you wouldn't be sitting in this service right now. By him all things consist. Paul said in him we live, we move, and we have our being. I want to tell you if the Lord didn't let your lungs quit breathing, you'd have died in the night. You're here. It's more than just a saying when we say the Lord woke me up this morning and started me on my way. The Bible says by him all things consist. You wouldn't make it if it weren't for Jesus. Your family would have been long gone if it hadn't been for Oh, I'm preaching to you today. The answer is not, well, I just need to act better. Well, just help me behave, preacher. No, the minute you get your eyes off Jesus, you're walking into the darkness. But if you want to come out of the darkness, you got to turn to the light. And the light is Jesus. And the answer is Jesus. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. Oh, I got a long way to go. But let me just inject here today. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. You wouldn't have a house if it weren't for Jesus. There'd be no doctor to help you if it weren't for Jesus. Say what you want, all things were created by him and for him. And by him all things consist. 
to the oh it rains on the just and the unjust and the atheist today that takes his name in vain ignorantly and doesn't even know there's a God he doesn't realize he's breathing borrowed air he's living in a borrowed house he's driving a borrowed car if it weren't for Jesus he'd have nothing He wouldn't even have been born if it hadn't been for Jesus. The one he says doesn't exist had the book of his life written before he ever breathed. In him is life. Oh, we ought to praise him right now. We ought to get our eyes off the tinsel and the gold wrapping paper and we ought to open the box and say, Lord, don't let me ever believe that it's empty. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Oh, praise Him right now. Let me chase this rabbit a minute. Let me help you out right now. In the area, well, we've already got them running the aisles. Praise the Lord. I wish some of you would act like that. <laughs> Hello? I must tell you today that there are people who say, well, I, you know, Brother Gene doesn't preach against this or preach against that. Well, I want to make it real easy for you today. Anything that draws you away from Jesus, you better stay away from. <laughs> oh, it can't be that simple. No, you're like the rich young ruler. You want me to give you a list of everything you've got to do, and then you don't even have to think about it. You're emotionally disengaged. All you know is I'm obeying the rules. has nothing to do with what's inside the box. All you are is a rule obeyer. And you don't understand that anything that draws... and it, I can't preach it straight enough to get you to Jesus. Because some of you fall over stuff other people don't fall over. Well, Brother Gene didn't preach against this. No, but I want you to know that your pastor notices when you start messing with that, you started getting cold in your spirit. You started missing church. You quit worshiping like you should. Oh, I'm preaching to you right now. Jesus is everything. Oh, come on. I want to tell you, obeying a list of rules don't make you a member of this church. Jesus made you a member of this church. You are not voted into this congregation. You are born into the body of Christ. Jesus is everything. Oh, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Okay, verse 18. Lord, help me. And he is head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. If I say beginning, the head of the church is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, what? He might have the preeminence, that in all things, Jesus might be tops. He's what it's all about. Not about an experience, not about my hair standing up on the back of my head. Not about me feeling something. No, it's all about Jesus. Every bit of it. This building is here today because of Jesus. These people are here today because of Jesus. I preach today because of Jesus. I have this word today because of Jesus. That in all things... 
Everybody say all things. Yeah, my goodness. I was just going to read this. I wasn't going to preach it. I was just going to read it. He might have the preeminence. Now the next verse, we know this one. but We didn't know all those preceding that. That it's all about Jesus. What does the next verse say? You can probably quote it. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all... Remember that one? Oh, we like to quote that. That's the only one we know. But we're going to quote that one to everybody that wonders. It pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell. Let me tell you something. It pleased God to make it all about Jesus. That's what that verse just said. It made God happy to make it all about a person. And that person is Jesus. Now I want to tell you something. How many want to please God? How many want to hear? Uh, if you want to hear anything, you know you please the Lord. Listen, if it pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness and preeminence should dwell, I think I would be pleasing the Father today to preach to you Jesus. I think it would please the Father to tell you about Jesus. I think... Church, I've made up my mind. Other churches may wonder about his identity, but I've got proof in the Word that the Father said, I'm happy that it's all about Jesus. You ought to thank God you're in a Jesus church. You ought to thank God you've been baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, somebody clap your hands and praise Him. Oh, hallelujah. Our songs are not about ourselves. God, forgive us. I hope we've come through that time. I mean, because now we've got greater revelation. We're not in ignorance anymore. Amen? You know why? We can, we can, uh, we can turn on the TV on Monday night and watch the voice for ourselves. We used to be in ignorance. We used to say things like, the best singers and the best preachers are Pentecostal. Well, we now realize that there's some folks that don't even believe there's a God that are pretty good. A lot better than me or you. So we're not going to get arrogant and say, oh, we're the best thing since sliced bread. No, we are not. We are nothing but children saved by the grace of God. If it hadn't been for Jesus, we wouldn't have a song to sing. If, come on, Pentecostals. It's not about your experience, what you're doing, what you think, what your opinion is. It's all about Jesus. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody turn to your neighbor and tell him he's preaching. Thank you. Jesus. 
Paul says is to be all in all. Everybody say all in all. God's end is to have Jesus Christ first place in all things. That's what pleases God. It's right there in your Bible. Paul said in Colossians, it pleased the Father that in Him, that's Jesus, should all the fullness dwell. You know as well as I do that God has a plan. And when He started creating, He had a plan in mind. He was the Lamb In the purpose of God, the one that was going to be exalted above everything was already in the plan of God. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth was laid. Well, let me put it to you this way if you don't understand that. What that means is when God said, let there be, Jesus was on his mind. That says everything he did, he did it for one purpose. For that one man that would show up in Bethlehem. Oh, praise God had a plan and Jesus was and is and will ever be God's everything. When I read the Bible, I find humility... I find patience, I find love, I find what it means to be righteous and holy. I read about the fruit of the Spirit and I think, like I said to Cheryl a few days ago, I wonder why God doesn't just kill all of us. Aren't you thankful that God looks at everyone? No, wait, let me rephrase that. God doesn't look at us through Jesus. Jesus is everything. Paul is teaching that God put everything in Jesus. Somebody say amen. So what I begin to realize, I find all kind of fruit of the Spirit. And I look at my own life and I think, well, I think there was a day I was humble. I think there was a day I had more love than I have now. I think there was a day I was more righteous than I am now. How many have noticed that there always seems to be this challenge to be or do all these things we know are pleasing to God. We want to be righteous, but there's a challenge to that. How many want to be patient, but you find it hard being patient? How many want to be holy, but you find it hard to be... Anybody hearing what I'm saying? It's like we're going to open the present and all of a sudden everything we want to be, it's going to jump out on us. And we spend a lot of our time thinking about things and not about Him. When you have studied God's Word carefully, you'll discover only one, only a person, not a thing. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me ask you something as I hurry today. Consider this. Do you know Him as your Savior? Or do you know Him as your salvation? Do you know Him as your Redeemer? Or do you know Him as your redemption? 
Do you know him as your sanctifier? Because he is. He does all that. And that's why ER is on there. He's the one that sanctifies. So he is the sanctifier. But if we're not careful, we're going to focus on the er. He is my sanctifier. He is my justifier. He is my redeemer. Oh no, he's more than that. He is my salvation. Oh, come on, apostolics. That's right up your alley. He said, I am. This is not about me being an er. This is about me being an am. I am the resurrection. I'm not just your savior. I am the savior. To know him as an er is knowledge. You know what he does. But to know him as a shun... Oh, that's much deeper than knowledge. Hebrews eleven six, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that what? He is. And then the next word, scream it. The next word. And. Everybody scream. And. That is a conjunction. It's connecting two thoughts. The first thing you must do when you come to God is know that He is. He is my Savior. He is my salvation. He is my redemption. He is my holiness. He is my righteousness. And then the next part, and He is a rewarder. What are you preaching, Pastor? I'm saying we're focused on the er. And we're not focused on the is. We're wanting to open that present and find all kind of good things. Find all kind of fun things. Well, I thought all my trouble would be over. Oh no, men's days are few and full of trouble. Your health issues are not going to be over because of one prayer meeting. I'm preaching to you now. You can get discouraged all you want to, but I'm going to preach you out of it this morning. Health issues are going to come your way, but he's he is the healer. But not only is he the healer, he is the healing that I need. What that means is I know who he is. <laughs> but you know what? We must first know that He is. I wonder how many times I've prayed for more power, more holiness, more patience. Lord, today give me more grace. Have I ever noticed in my life a continual deficiency? How many times do I keep going back and saying, Lord, give me more wisdom. Give me more patience. Oh, I'm preaching to you. I'm just... I'm thankful today there's only one God that's stated emphatically in the first commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Psalms 86.10 For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Isaiah 44 and verse 8 Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it. Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Isaiah 45, verse 5, I am the Lord. There is none else. 
There is no God beside me. I girded thee. Though thou hast not known me, I'm the one that picked you up. That thou may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. Job 9 verse 8 tells us that not only is he God alone and he made the heavens, but he also made the heavens. Everybody say the heavens. He's God by himself, which alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea. Nehemiah 9 6, thou, even thou art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven and heaven of heavens. With all their host, the earth and all the things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Man, I'm sweating on my suit today. I'm really preaching. Hear that or it's really hot in here. <laughs> Isaiah 37, 16, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, and thou hast made the heavens and the earth. I believe that. The God who is God alone is not only our creator, he is our redeemer. I believe that. Isaiah 44 and verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, and beside me there is no God. Isaiah 44, 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by himself. Isaiah 43, 11. I, even I, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. <laughs> Isaiah 45, 21, Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together, who hath declared this from ancient time. Who hath told it from that time, have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, I, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. I don't care what you think about it. He's already said it, and he said it's already been said. That unto me every knee shall... Wait, wait, wait. You see this in Isaiah. He said, I'm going to tell you something. Unto me every knee is going to bow. Hosea 13.4 Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt and thou shalt know no God but me for there is no Savior beside me. I want to tell you there's one God and He is our Redeemer because only God can forgive sins. So now I know why Jesus was already in the mind of Almighty God because God is a Savior. Oh, I'm going on. Isaiah 45, he says, I, even I, am he, Isaiah, everybody say Isaiah. This is Jehovah speaking to the old prophet Isaiah. I'm the one. I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed today. <laughs> I'm so thankful Jesus was born into this world. <laughs> he became more than just a Savior. He became my salvation. <laughs> he became more than just forgiver. He became forgiveness. 
See, I can get distracted just like the Jews. They were dumbfounded. Why does Jesus speak blasphemies? For who can forgive sin save God and God alone? But at John 5, 21, Jesus says, God alone has the power to forgive sin. Jesus, in teaching his disciples to pray, said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And what? Forgive us. Our, our Father, forgive us. God said, beside me there is no Savior. But I want to tell, oh, how I love Him. The great Creator became my salvation. Oh, come on, lift your hands and love the Lord right now. Come on, lift up those feeble hands right now. Lord, you're my everything. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah 59, 16. I want you to look at this. And he saw there was no man. I say no man. And wondered that there was no intercessor. Salvation was on his mind. But there was no salvation. Therefore his arm brought salvation. Did you hear that? He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world because beside him there is no Savior. But his arm made salvation out of a Savior. It's not enough for me to know him as the Savior. He is my salvation. Oh, I remember it. Thank you, Lord. He brought it back to me 30 minutes later. Look at that. Everything I need, I find it in Jesus. He's food for my table. Oh, the Lord is able. I was getting ready for this sermon today. I'd spent some time in prayer about it. The next few weeks, I pray that what God has laid upon my heart, I can lay upon your heart. But I got in the prayer room this morning and started praying, Lord, bless the service. Lord, touch these people, Lord. And the Lord challenged me with this. If I'm not careful, I'm thinking about all the things that the Lord does for me and not what He is. This is probably why you need to pray. Because when you pray, now I know some of you, you, you know, you, you're not comfortable with silence. So you just keep talking all the time. Well, you keep talking. Sometimes the Lord can't say anything to you. The good thing about prayer is that the Lord talks back. <laughs> He's a good back talker. And I'm praying, Lord, touch this service today. Lord, I thank you for what you've laid upon my heart. I thank you for... The message you gave me in the Holy... I just paused and the Holy Ghost says to me, Would you rather pray or preach? I'm called to preach. I know people in this church right now, They Well, I'm called to preach, Brother Gene, and I get frustrated because I can't preach. The Lord said to the preacher today, Would you rather... Spend time with me 
or spend an hour in the pulpit. And all of a sudden in my heart, I realized the most precious times I have with the Lord. (laughs) Or when I've got my hand in His hand and I'm talking to Him and He's talking to me and it's not about, Lord, I need more money or I need a better job or I want you to be a provider or a savior or a forgiver. No, you're everything I need, Lord. In fact, I have to tell you today that the moment I got filled with the Holy Ghost was the moment I quit trying. The minute, Brother Todd, I quit trying. See, I was, well, maybe if I do this, or maybe if I do that. No, Lord, if I give you this. No, Lord, if I repent over that. And my head was full of what should I do. But the minute I said, Lord, I need you. (laughs) Take this whole world, but... Come on, somebody shout it. Give me Jesus. Do you really feel that way? And he said, would you rather pray or preach? So I started to get my phone and say, okay, Kyle, you're preaching today. I'm just going to stay in the prayer room. (laughs) But I can't do that. You know, God's called me to shepherd people. But I think what the Spirit was saying to me was, do you pray to preach? Oh, God, give me another sermon. No, I'm walking with Jesus. Would you, what he's saying is, would you rather walk with me or get up and bump your gums in front of everybody? Well, then, if you don't want to bump your gums, then shut up. Man, you've been preaching for over an hour. What I'm saying is this. He has to become our everything. I think if couples would put Jesus as everything, troubles would be over. Because then it'd be, it wouldn't be about my stuff and their stuff and I want it this way. No, it'd be like, what does Jesus want out of me? And I close. John sets down, the Apostle John sets down many words not found in the other Gospels. The Gospel of John was written last, written after most of the entire New Testament had been composed. So in the Gospel of John, you find some interesting things you don't find in the other writings, the early Gospels and the early Epistles. It's here that it is finally shown to us what God's estimate of Jesus Christ is. And in it, we are told how we ought to know Christ for ourselves. So in the next few Sundays, it's in this manner we will focus. It is here that we come to understand that what God requires is not a lamb. He is the lamb. It's here we understand that God does not provide the way. He is the way. He doesn't provide the truth. He is the truth. He doesn't just give us life. He is 
it's not about the earth. It's about what he is. He's not just a giver of life. He is life. Here we understand that Jesus is not merely does not merely use his power to resurrect a man's life or give a man back his sight. In fact, in the whole of John's gospel, we see only one monumental fact. You wrap up the entire gospel of John in this fact that Jesus Christ is. You just fill in the blank. He says he is the light of the world. He does not say he will give his people light. He said, I am the light. He says, I am the bread of life. He does not say, I will give you bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life. He says he is the way. He does not say he'll guide us to walk in the way. Hello, Jesus He says, I am the truth. He does not say, I'll teach you the truth. He says, the truth is a person. See, we think this is the truth. We thump our Bibles and we ought to. They're good for thumping. We memorize verses and we ought to. But truth is more than a doctrine espoused in some creed. Truth is a person. I can put my hand in the hand of truth today. Show me the way, Lord. He says He is true life. He does not say He will give us life. No, He said, I am the life. In fact, let me ask you a question. Let's go to the restroom. When Lazarus died, Jesus did not tell Mary and Martha that he was, had the power to raise up their brother. Never once did he say, I have the power to raise up your brother. Not once. He did tell them he's going to rise. But he didn't say, I'm the resurrector. He didn't say, I'm fixing to raise your brother up from the dead. Never said that. He declared one thing and one thing alone. He said, Mary, Martha, I am the resurrection. (laughs) And I am the life. (laughs) He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. (laughs) He is. So I take you to John chapter 1, verse 1. This last of the gospels and even epistles written. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. That all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, 
To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. And the word was made flesh, oh praise God, and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. I'm preaching to you today that there's some maladies in your spirit and I want to give you the medication. You just need to behold His glory. Whose glory? Jesus' glory. He's everything to me. When you say, Lord, I want to please you, I want to... Makes all the difference. Why do you do what you do? Why do you come to church? Why do you worship God? God, why do you sing in the choir? Why do you lead service? Why do you why are you involved in, in the kingdom of God in some matter? You know why? Because it's all about Jesus. I've been humored at times by a program CBS put on this series. Some of you probably have seen it. And all you sanctimonious folks that talk about, well, he's talking about TV again. No, you know what? You've probably been watching it on your computer and you're all sanctified and getting all freaked out now. But anyway, you can deal with that. Because if you want to be righteous, you can actually go online and watch all the series of it. You won't be a sinner because you didn't see it on a television. Anyway, I digress. Crazy, isn't it, Connor? Anyway, it's called Undercover Boss. Luke, you've seen it? Uh Uh-oh. Come up here. We're going to lay hands on you right now and pray for you. Anybody else seen it? Anybody seen Undercover Boss? There's more sinners here than I thought. Undercover. You know what amazes me? I love it because they don't know it's the CEO of Chick-fil-A. The guy's in there frying chicken fingers. And the guy owns the company. And they're cussing him out, telling him he's too slow. We're going to fire you if you don't speed up. You're the worst worker we've ever had. And the guy's the boss. You've seen it, haven't you? You know what's funny? I love it when they reveal it. How many have seen them reveal it? It's like, oh, you don't know what's coming. You're fixing to get it. And they walk in, and there's that guy, and he's got a picture of himself. You remember Freddie? I'm Freddie. <laughs> they walk in and say, oh, Mr. Chick-fil-A, oh, I'm so glad to be called to your office. And then they see a picture of Freddie with his big, thick glasses and tape in the middle. Oh, my goodness. You were Freddie? And they start remembering, uh-oh, I gave you a good cussing. <laughs> I told you we're fixing to fire you. I told you we're worthless and no good. We got better workers than this. Why'd they put you on my crew? And Freddie says to the little worker, you know what, while I was working with you, while I was frying chicken fingers with you, I realized that Your mom was sick and we didn't give you any time off to go be with your sick mother. I realized how hard of a job it is for you to 
put out chicken fingers for gripey customers. We don't pay you near enough. And he finally looks at that little worker and says, now what would you want from us as a company? What do you want us to be or do? I start thinking about that baby in a manger. He's the real undercover boss. The Bible says he knows my frame. He remembers that I'm dust. He knows my challenge. He knows my weakness. He's been there. He's been in the back in the kitchen when the customers are angry and I'm getting upset. He knows what it is to be pushed. and He knows what it's like to be fearful and full of anxiety. He knows what it's like to not be able to do some things because you're not getting paid enough. And at some point we need to hear Jesus say, I understand where you are. We need all of a sudden forget that He is the Ur. He is not just the Savior, Healer, Life Giver. No, He is everything I need. If I have Him, I have enough. And Lord, help us to be satisfied with with just You. The story is told of Shah Abbas. He was a Persian monarch who loved his people very much. To know and understand them better, he would mingle with his subjects in various disguises. The story goes that one day he went as a poor man to the public baths and in a tiny cellar sat beside the fireman who kept the baths warmed and tended the furnace. When it was mealtime, the king, the monarch, the shah shared the coarse food that was provided for the fireman, the keeper of the furnace. He talked to his lonely subject as a friend. This man spent hours down in this cellar keeping the furnace going. And again and again, that monarch visited that man until that man and he began, grew to love one another. And one day the shah told him he was the monarch And he knew that as soon as he told him, I'm the king, that the test of friendship would emerge. Because when you find out that he's the king, now it's time to ask what you want. And if the king is rich and has a palace and can provide you anything, he knew that the moment he revealed himself, he would expect the man to ask some gift from him. But the fireman sat gazing at his ruler, his monarch, with love and wonder. And finally he spoke. And he said, you left your palace and your glory to sit with me in this dark place. To eat of my coarse food and to care whether my heart is glad or sorry. On others you may bestow rich presents. You may give good things to other people, but to me, you have given yourself. And it only remains for me to pray that you will never withdraw that gift. So we're fixing to come to the altar. And I want to ask you an important question. Why are you coming? Are you coming for a gift from the king? 
Are you coming for Him to give you something else that you think is going to satisfy all of your fears and your worries? Or are you just coming to sit with the King for a while? See, that's what I'm talking about. At Christmas time, it's not about what we get from the Lord. I just want to walk with Him today. I want to sit down by the king and say, Lord, I want to talk to you today. You're what it's all. I'm not here for more money or a raise or my aching backs, your hurts. (laughs) And I close with this. We're fixing to have Christmas. And what if my daughters said, Dad, you know, you you don't really have to be there. Just just send your gifts. Yeah, what about it? See, I think sometimes that's, that epitomizes who we are as apostolics. We focus on the gift. We focus on Savior and Healer and Redeemer. We fail to realize that our Savior is a person. He's our salvation. That the truth we say we believe, it's not a doctrine. It's a person. It's all about Jesus. Would you stand today? Before we even start singing, if you'd like to come and spend a little time with the King today and say, Lord, I just want to talk to you today. I'm not coming for another gift. I'm not coming to ask you to do something. How many times have you come to this altar and said, Lord, do this or put my marriage back together or make my kids obey or do this? or Come on, today we're not coming with any of that. We're just coming saying, Lord... I want to spend some time with you today. It's all about Jesus. He is my everything. Come on, singers. We are going to sing. Come on. Come on right now. Just if you want to slip up here, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Lord, I'm not concerned right now about belief systems and what scriptures I know or don't know. I just want to spend some time with you today, Lord. You're my salvation. Everything I have, everything I need is found in you today.